0: You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 770 CHQR. Welcome to the Strong Room, presented by MacMillan Estate Planning. I'm Wayne Nelson. On today's show, when can a will be challenged in court? We've all heard about those court fights over the fortunes left behind by the rich and famous and here are just a few. Billionaire recluse Howard Hughes who died without leaving a valid will. The Queen of Mean hotel heiress Leona Helmsley who left most of her billions to a charity and a dog and excluded her grandchildren. Former Playboy Playmate 26-year-old Anna Nicole Smith who challenged the will of her late husband 89-year-old Texas billionaire Howard Marshall because she claimed it wasn't the half of his fortune that he had promised her. Most recently are the cases of Robin Williams, who had updated his will but apparently wasn't specific enough about personal items, which his widow and adult children argued about, the late Jimi Hendrix and pop singer Prince, who didn't leave wills, Michael Jackson, blues singer B.B. King, and the godfather of soul, James Brown, whose wills were challenged in court. But let's bring it a bit closer to home. We're going to discuss a recent B.C. Supreme Court decision. Last month, the court overturned a will which had been created by a couple from India who had moved to B.C. in 1964 and during their lifetime accumulated a $9 million fortune. Their will stipulated that each of their four daughters received $150,000 each, while their two sons were to receive $4.2 million each. Hardly sounds fair, does it? Joining me today to talk about this case, cultural values, equality, and fairness in a will is Macmillan Estate Planning Legal Counsel, Henry Villanueva. Good morning, Henry. Good morning,
1: Wayne. Good morning, everyone listening.
0: There are lots of factors in this BC case. So let's start off just to recap uh, this will.
1: The will was drafted and signed in December of 1993. And what the wills provided, they were mirror wills, meaning copycat wills, with husband and wives, and uh, the will was distributed as follows. The will provided that the residue of the estate would go to spouse to spouse first, and upon the last spouse passing, then it would go $150,000 to each of the girls, okay? And then what the will actually provided was that the residue or the balance after that $150,000 to each girls, the residue would go to the two boys equally, Okay, now in this particular will, the executor was the two boys. Okay, it was Terry and Kassar. Unfortunately, in this case, Kassar, because of a conflict of interest, he renounced or stepped down from being the executor.
0: Leaving the one son. Terry. That's still Mm -hmm. a bit of a conflict, isn't it? Because not only is Terry the executor, but he is also a beneficiary.
1: Mm -hmm. And the big beneficiary for that matter, too, right, Wayne? Sure. But at least
0: in this case, Terry seemed to be on board with uh, what his sisters were concerned about.
1: Exactly. And that's what's good about this family, too. It's not a big fight over, I want everything and I'm not giving you anything Terry was actually on board as what the case provided. Terry was okay to vary mom and dad's will. Okay, However, what the girls or the daughters claim was they wanted the distribution amongst the six children to be equal. Okay, so they wanted 9 million or 9.3 million divided by six. Right. That's what the girls wanted. However- Terry was okay to change mom and dad's will, but not nine million divided by six. He still believed that we should respect mom and dad's wishes, and according to the will, mom and dad's wishes were to give the boys more.
0: Now, prior to their death, uh, the children had asked mom and dad to make it more fair. And apparently their dad was okay with it to a degree, but mom was, no way, we don't mm-hmm. and, want to do and this. And
1: let's talk about that, Wayne, because that happens a lot in uh, society and we, we don't want to say it's traditional, but there's value in customs and traditions too. Taking a look at the case of the Lit family, uh, they're farmers from India and they went to BC and they fulfilled their Canadian dream of making it big. Okay. However, because they came from India and East Indian culture, the Sikh culture, there is still that traditional notion that, and I say traditional and I want to emphasize it, this is nowhere view of a a strong room. Uh, The East Indian or Sikh culture were of the view that boys were the blessing and girls were disappointments, unfortunately. Okay. And for that reason, uh, they wanted to give the estate to the boys in that regard. But let's take a step back. What happened to mom and dad? Well, mom and dad, Nahar and Nihal, okay, they passed away fairly close to each other. Because when I talk to a lot of uh, uh, families about this case, they always say, well, what happened first? Who died first? Well, the fact of the matter is both of them died pretty close to each other. The husband died in February of 2016 while the wife, Nihal, she died March of 2016. Right. She so, died of a heart attack.
0: So mm-hmm. it wasn't really a factor in this case in, in the timing of their passing. Correct, because the timing was pretty close. Sure.
1: So continuing on further, what we want to emphasize here is traditions, culture. They have an impact on uh, one's estate, as well as the background facts to determine why the wills were crafted that way.
0: Okay. Now, the girls claim that throughout their lives, they were a valuable part. Their contributions were invaluable in making the farm the success that it ultimately became, that they had sacrifices throughout their uh, childhood and throughout their early adulthood to make this a successful operation.
1: Mm -hmm. And that is one of the main reasons why they're suing the estate right? Uh, Someone does not sue anyone for kicks, right? It takes money, time and effort and grief and sleepless nights staying up thinking about the lawsuit. And the girls did have a valid claim in this regard. Their point here was they put sweat, blood and tears into the farm operations. It's not as if mom and dad did all the work and they're just inheriting it.
0: Sure. Okay. And also when mom and dad's health uh, began de- began deteriorating, the two older daughters were also helping with their care
1: mm-hmm.
0: and thinking that, you know what, mom and dad are going to look after me. And then the will wasn't changed.
1: That's correct. So the facts of the case provide that Nahar and Nihal, spouses lit, uh, lived up to age 88 and 89 years old. Now, during the later years of their life, they had to go through quite a couple of medical issues until the unfortunate heart attack in 2016. Uh, And in that respect, it wasn't the boys, unfortunately, but it was the daughters who were taking care of them in their senior years. So that's also another reason that prompted the ladies to continue on and file this lawsuit because they feel that that, Last year's or end of year's care wasn't given recognition. And uh, in a way, it was uh, ignored because they weren't provided, I don't want to say compensation, but at least acknowledgement and recognition for their efforts at that time.
0: Sure. And they eventually were successful, but it wasn't an easy task for them to do. First of all, they are uh, they are acting contrary to those social uh, pressures, those social standards of their culture, those cultural issues.
1: That's correct. Uh, according to the will, um, what was pretty much lacking in the will was, uh, and it's not an old will, it was not a will from the 50s, it was a will in 1993. Uh, the deficit in the will was there was no explicit explanation on why the girls just received that flat amount each and the boys received the residue. And also looking back at the time when the will was drafted, the parents, of course, knew the value of the state already. Okay, So when someone drafts their will, it's easy to say 150000 to each of the daughters and the balance to the boys. But of course, at the back of your mind, you're doing the math. Sure. Okay? At the time you're drafting your will, you're familiar with what your net assets are, of course, so that you can determine whether or not a gift is reasonable or not reasonable. Okay, given the situation. And you're also able to estimate based on rough figures and based on your position now, what the boys or the residue would be. So in that regard, there was no explanation on why the girls only received such amount and the boys received the most of it. Also of note is according to the facts of the case, Terry or one of the sons was present when mom and dad were doing planning in regard to their will. And he knew of how the distribution would be between him and his siblings. But he was sworn to secrecy by mom and dad not to share how the will is distributed among the other children.
0: Definitely an interesting case. We're talking about doing what you can to make sure your will stands up in court. We'll be back in a moment with McMillan Estate Planning Legal Counsel Henry Villanueva. You're listening to The Strong Room on 770 CHQR.